Well, let's all stand together, shall we, as our campuses join with us in Stevens Point and Appleton. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you all here this morning on this glorious Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. I wore a tie for Mother's Day. Oh, official looking today. Even Bob wore a tie. That's how radical, how radical it is. Uh, before I uh, bring the message this morning, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you about something that we're up to. We're always up to something around here. But... Uh, Recently, throughout the city of Green Bay, all over the place, uh, were billboards that had a less than encouraging message. Um, let's take a look at it. There you go. Go to hell is uh, generally not the way to win friends and influence people, but that was the message with flames coming out of the hell and yelling at people for their sins and sent them to a very oddly titled website, onesorrybastard.com. And this has been all over Green Bay. And I, with the, with the guys, I said, you know what? Let's put up our own billboard campaign. So we decided to come up with this. Go to heaven. God forgives sins. And instead of one sorry bastard, we have one happy pastor. So, uh, there's going to be 15 billboards spread out all over the city. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. So, so when they click on that website, you know, guess who will be there? So, uh, so you'll see that it's going up uh, on the 26th. 15 billboards all over the city, so, so kind of exciting. We'll see. A little, little more positive message. <laughs> People are crazy. <clears throat> this morning I have a message entitled, The Tale of Two Moms. Now, this may seem like an odd text for Mother's Day, but bear with me. It'll eventually make sense. Now, this is in 1 Kings, the Old Testament. 1 Kings, the third chapter. And verse 16, and we read the following. Now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. Nothing says Mother's Day like hookers. <clears throat> so hang in there, it'll make sense eventually. All right, so. So, <laughs> so these two women come before the king. Why are they coming before the king? Back in those days, if you wanted to settle an argument, uh, the supreme court of the land was an audience with the king himself. So I don't know what level of magistrates they worked their way up through, but at some point you get to the king and whoever was looking at these cases, this particular case, 
probably thought, oh man, I don't know what to do, sending them on up. So you get, they get before the king, and this is a big deal. The king would hold audience, and the most difficult uh, decisions, disputes of the day were handled by the king himself. They'd come before, make the argument, the king would rule, and that was it. Once he said it, that's the way it was. So these two women are having a bit of a tift. And uh, one of them says, pardon me, my lord, this woman and I live in the same house. I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. Well, during the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. I mean, a horrible situation. She just rolled over and wasn't aware of it, suffocated the infant. And uh, so she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while I, your servant, was asleep. And she put him by her breast and then put her dead son by my breast. The next morning, I got up to nurse my son and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son I had born. The other woman said, no, the living one is my son. The dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, no, the dead one is yours. The living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. You can see why they took it up to the king. <laughs> no one wanted to rule on this one. And the king said, well, this one says, my son is alive and your son is dead. Well, that one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. Then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king. He gave an order. Cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. Well, the woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to the king, please, my lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other one said, neither I nor you should have him. Cut him in two. Then the king gave his ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is his mother. And when all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. Now this account is in the uh, Bible to give us insight into King David. I'm sorry, King Solomon. Now King Solomon was what the Bible says, the wisest man who ever lived. And let me tell you how that came about. God comes to Solomon before he becomes, you know, ruler of, of all of Israel and says to him, he gives him the genie in a bottle moment. You know the story about, you know, you find the genie in a bottle and a genie comes out and says, ask me anything, I'll grant you, you know, three wishes or one wish or whatever like that. So God basically gives him an actual event like this. And God appears to Solomon and says, ask me anything and I will give it to you. Wow. I mean, what would you ask for? Now, most of us would ask for money. And the reason for that is if you get enough money, you can make all your other dreams come true. <laughs> Don't need to get very specific, you know. Uh, some might be more altruistic, world peace, true love. You know, whatever, all sorts of different things people would ask for. Uh, in this day and age, they would have likely asked for the head of their enemies on a stick because they're always at war with each other. And you talk about bitterness and hatred. 
But so God comes to him and says, okay, ask me anything and I'll give it to you. And Solomon responds to God. He says, give me wisdom. Because I'm about to become the ruler of this great people. I don't know how to come in, go out. He says, I don't know what I'm doing. It's way over my head. Give me wisdom so I can know the right things to say and to do. Well, God goes, because you've asked for this, I'm going to give you everything that anybody else would have asked for. And this is what happens. Solomon now becomes the richest man in the history of mankind, the wisest man in the history of mankind, and a man who experienced nothing but complete peace with his enemies for his entire life. As far as we know, there was not a single war during his lifetime. Now stop and think about that. We've had how many wars in our lifetime? We're not even dead yet. There's somebody always going after somebody. Especially this time, 4,000 years ago, it was routinely noted that nations would go to war every spring. That's how you knew it was spring. You know, we look for flowers over there, so let's go kill people. I mean, they were always smashing up against each other, disputing boundaries and stuff like that. This was like uh, an annual ritual that they would have these wars and battles to kind of decide who's what and where. And, but his entire lifetime, no war. And you talk about a run on the stock market. These people made out like bandits. This is known as Israel's golden age. The greatest time in terms of peace and financial prosperity was during the reign of Solomon because he was brilliant. Everything, can you imagine having political leaders who always knew the perfect thing to do? <laughs> Neither can I. But that's what they experienced. I mean, all of us are faced with things, you know, questions, you know, decisions, you know, ABC, which one do I pick? We're not sure. We pray for wisdom. Try to... This guy always had the right answer. It's absolutely this is the most brilliant man in the history. The Bible says no one was as wise before him and no one would be as wise after him. The single greatest wisdom person in the history of the human experience. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, technology. I mean, he didn't invent computers and light bulbs and stuff. But in terms of always knowing what to do, what to say, what move to make, he always had it. He nailed it. He was absolutely brilliant. The Bible says he was paid annually in tons of gold. I can't remember. It was 100 tons, 115 tons, whatever it was. Now, stop thinking about it. An ounce of gold goes for about $1,500. I'd just like a pound. <laughs> I'd be very happy. <laughs> Give me a pound of gold today. Tons of gold. They had so much money. It was crazy. Everything was perfect. It's as perfect as in a human experience could be because someone always knew the right thing to do. That's the life of Solomon. Now he wound up toward the end of his lifetime. He got very depressed because nothing was a challenge for him. It wound up kind of being negative for him. And he says, you know, I had everything. I could do everything. And, uh, but, uh, but what a life. Now, that's why this story is here. Now, you don't have to be a Christian. Most people have heard of Solomon, have certainly heard of the phrase, the wisdom of Solomon. And many people, regardless of their biblical knowledge, are familiar with this particular account. That's why this is here, to show how 
brilliant this guy was. He always knew the right thing to do. But rather than focus on Solomon, today's Mother's Day, I want to actually focus on these two ladies. Three things that we notice from this account. Number one, moms don't have to be perfect. These two ladies clearly were not perfect. These were women for whatever reason, circumstances in their life, we don't know. Uh, sold themselves to men for money. That's how they survived. Uh, these were not perfect women, but these are women who were moms. And as moms, they loved their children, which is the case. Only in the strangest freak of nature does a woman not love her child. It is hardwired into the heart of every woman. Not only do they bring life, but then they encourage life and nurture life. And God gives you ladies abilities that actually amazes us men. We don't know how you do what you do. We don't even know how you know what to do. Seriously. This is... <laughs> My wife, we've got six grandkids, you know. She'll have all six at one time by herself. And I'm like, how do you do that? You all handle them in chunks for a couple of hours, you know. But she can do them all day long. All by herself. Always somehow knows what to say. And what to do, and this is what the one needs, and this is what the other one needs, and they got it all figured out. How you know this stuff? I have absolutely no idea. Uh, my wife left me once with our little granddaughter, Maya, which was threatening, I'm sure, for that poor child. But, uh, and uh, she took off doing something, and you know, she was just learning how to talk, and at some point in the evening, she demanded some AO. Ayo, ayo, ayo. So what? What's ayo? I don't know what ayo is. You know, so I give her this, no, tears. And I give her this, no, no. And just, I'm, like, I, I'm freaking out. I finally call the redhead. And I say, what the heck is ayo? She goes, oh, it's yogurt. <laughs> How do you know that? How do you get yogurt out of ayo? And sure enough, I gave her yogurt and peace in the valley. The tears dried up, joy over her soul. Like, oh, man. It's amazing. I don't, I don't know how you do it. It's an incredible thing. But this ability to encourage life, to handle these little jelly-faced rugrats, to point them in the right direction, to encourage them when they need encouragement, challenge them when they need to be challenged. It's not about being perfect. And a lot of women feel pressured to be perfect. In our culture, women have to be super moms, you know. They got to have the career and they got to be the perfect parent and the perfect wife and the perfect everything. And I think it gets a little overwhelming. But the good news, ladies, is nobody's perfect. Just relax. It's okay. You, life will go on. But number one, moms don't have to be perfect. Number two, from this story, we see that a mother will sacrifice almost anything for her child. Women routinely put themselves last and their families first, always. Last one to come to the table, last one to sit down and rest, last one because they're always giving, always sacrificing for their children. Now this lady gives a sacrifice that is really rather impressive. Now you have to remember, she doesn't know that Solomon is merely doing a test. She doesn't know it's a test. This is the king. 
In that day, when you came before the king and he made a ruling, be it life or death, that was it. When he said, slice that kid in two, she really thought he was going to have the kid cut in half. Everybody that was in that court understood that kid is about to cut in half. Somebody knew it would be his job to pick up that sword and he would have done it without a second's hesitation because that would have been the king's ruling. That's the kind of world it was. Again, 4,000 years ago. Now, we don't have kings and stuff today that we have to deal with, thank God. But that's the power that they had. In fact, the Bible warned, of course, it doesn't really apply to us who have kings today, but it always warned, be careful how you come before a king. Because they, in, if, they if you came before them and you just irritated them, they could slay you on the spot. Kill him and get him out of here. You know, and you'd be dead. They'd cut you down, drag your sorry body out, and off to the next case. I mean, it was brutal. When he said, cut this kid in half, everybody in that room expected that kid to be sliced in half. Well, this woman then does probably one of the most difficult things any woman could do, and that is be willing to give up the child. And says to the king, please, your majesty, let her have the baby. Now stop and think about this. This goes against every bit of instinct in nature in any mom. She is now willing, freely willing, to let this other woman have her baby. To watch that child take his first steps to have the hugs around the neck and the kisses on her cheek and when that kid starts to talk, to call the other woman mama. A painful thing. Moses' mother did the same kind of situation. Remember, they were going to kill Moses. And she freely gave him up so that Pharaoh's daughter found him. And she was just down the road. And yet, Pharaoh's daughter was the one that Moses called mama. And kissed her and hugged her and had all those incredible magical moments she gave all that up for him because women are willing to give up almost anything for their children. Uh, and this is particularly specific because I know there's women in our church, this campus and other campuses, that have actually literally done this earlier in life, maybe as a teenager, an unplanned pregnancy, you know, all of a sudden they're in a difficult situation and who freely gave that child up to be adopted by someone else. I know oftentimes on Mother's Day, you women that have gone through this feel very badly and your heart aches a little bit wondering where is that child and stuff. But I want you to know, uh, you moms are very special to do something like that. Goes against everything in nature to do something like that. But be willing to say, you know, I cannot give this child what it needs and someone else can and to let someone else have all those joys that you didn't just out of love for that child. God bless you for that. Uh, that was a great gift, a great sacrifice. And uh, you are to be commended as well on this Mother's Day. But a great sacrifice this lady was willing to give because she loves that child. And then number three, we don't think about this one much, but think about the other lady. Now, it's easy to stand in judgment of her. She's out there saying, yeah, cut the kid in half. You know, she stole the kid in the first place. But think about what she went through. You know, it's really important that we don't judge harshly 
other people. I know it's real easy to think, well, that's terrible what that person did, or that guy did that. I'd never do something like that. Never say that. Because the truth is, any of us in here are capable of doing anything, given the circumstances. God knows that. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, as we just prayed in the Lord's Prayer, that we don't fall into temptation. He encouraged many times, pray that you don't fall into temptation. Why? Because given the right circumstances, any of us are capable of anything. And when you see someone who falls into bad situations and makes terrible mistakes, not to judge uh, too harshly, hear this lady, you can imagine the horror. She rolls over in the middle of the night, suffocates her own baby, doesn't even know she's doing it. Wakes up, the baby is dead. Now most women in that situation would have screamed in horror, tears pouring down their face in panic, trying to understand what had just happened. This lady is so overwhelmed with grief and horror, virtually every fuse in her brain snaps, and she remains silent, stunned with unbelievable disbelief. She comes up with a plan, you know, I'll take her baby. And I mean, how dysfunctional are you at that moment? Again, Thank God you've never been in a situation like that. But that's where she was at. So she takes the baby, swaps him out, gets before the king, cheers for the king to slice the kid in half. That's how we discover who the real mom was. But, you know, it's very easy to point out the failings of others, their faults, their mistakes, their bad judgment. We should always have the attitude of there but for the grace of God go I. Don't judge others too harshly. Wrong is still wrong. I understand that. And we're not one of these churches that shrinks back from talking about what's right and wrong for fear of offending someone. You know, God's rules are pretty clear. They're not overwhelming, but they're very clear. But even in the context of that, you know, we don't judge people harshly. As, as we said in the Apostles' Creed, we believe in the forgiveness of sins. That's why we don't want to put up signs and tell everybody to go to hell. but instead that God loves people. Wrong is wrong. I understand that. But don't judge others too harshly and always pray that you won't fall into situations like that that would test the very core of who you are. So this morning, we celebrate moms. Uh, My mom isn't here anymore. She passed away a few years ago. Uh, My mom and dad, my dad first and then a little afterwards, my mom, all my brothers and sisters, we all call ourselves orphans now, you know, we don't have our parents anymore. I keep waiting to see my brother's face on a milk carton, you know, but uh, inside joke of the family, but uh, I, I remember my mom, my mom had a great sense of humor. She all taught us to have really outrageous senses of humor. Virtually everybody in my family is a fabulous stand-up comedian. <laughs> There's a real, you know, crazy streak that runs through all of us. I remember when my, uh, my dad, we're all there, the family was there, my brother says, everybody's all there, and my dad passed, and my sister Lisa's there, Layla's there, you know, and stuff. They got to know our family. Layla's always the cantankerous one in the family. You know, everybody's got one, right? You know, or something. And so my, my dad just passed, and he goes, oh, he's gone. She said, I'll be next. I said, no, mom, we took a vote. Layla's next. But uh, 
<laughs> but then a little while later, she was also gone. So uh, we don't have our moms anymore. But uh, we want you all to celebrate moms today. Celebrate their love and their sacrifice. We praise them for all the incredible things that they do. But even if your mom is blatantly less than perfect, even if your mom has made some really bad choices, even if you have every right in the world to be mad at your mom this morning because she did something horrible like not letting you do what you want to do. How horrible is that? Making you change your clothes because you're dressed inappropriately, whatever arguments you have at home, you know. Or sometimes moms do something that really are hurtful. Some here this morning have some big wounds from a very imperfect mom. But even if you have every right in the world to be angry at your mom this morning, let me encourage you, don't hold her transgressions against her. Today, let me encourage all of you, be nice to your mom. She's the only mom you'll ever have. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your grace that we see in these incredible women. The miracle of motherhood, bringing in life, encouraging life, being there. And through all of it, Lord, they have lots of challenges. God, we thank you for their sacrifices, their care. I pray they would all feel greatly loved and appreciated today by their families. Even the moms who are very, very, very imperfect and maybe some who've made really bad choices and stuff. Lord, today, may they feel just the wonderful love and gratitude of all those around her. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Have a great Mother's Day.